Welcome to the Prodigy Maker Show with Chris Lewitt. Chris Lewitt is an internationally recognized high-performance coach, educator, and author of two best-selling books, The Tennis Technique Bible and The Secrets of Spanish Tennis. Tune in weekly as Chris answers questions live from around the world and discusses topics in junior development, technical and tactical training, Spanish tennis methods, and philosophies, and more. The Prodigy Maker Show is primarily focused on high-performance junior training and how to help children maximize their potential. The program features intelligent insight from Chris and debate from leaders in the high-performance industry. The show can be watched live on Chris's Facebook profile, and video versions of the show are archived at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. And now, here's Chris. Hey guys, Chris here. Episode 27 of the Prodigy Maker Show. We are live, and I'm excited to be with you again tonight. It's Thursday night. I got my co-host here, Sammy, and he came to say hello. He knew what was up. Sammy, want to say hello? Hey, buddy. Yeah. All right, we'll see if he hangs out with me or if Sammy wants to go take a nap, which he usually does. you have any thoughts you'd like to add tonight, Sammy? Anything you'd like to say about cheating or anything like that? Doesn't have any comments yet, but we'll see if we get a wolf out of him or something. So, guys, tonight is a big cheating show. I'd like to talk about cheating. I had a request to talk about cheating from a parent, and I get a number of requests like this periodically so I thought it'd be a good time to go into it it's a big topic in junior tennis it drives parents crazy it drives children crazy it drives coaches crazy cheating is in my opinion ruining the game of tennis uh, on many levels but particularly at the junior level so let's get into it a little bit I am writing an article currently about cheating and the article is titled 12 myths in junior tennis 12 cheating myths in junior tennis Although I'm changing the title, I think, to 13 Myths because I keep adding more and more information to the article. But the article is ready to go. Uh, we'll be publishing it soon, and I've been sharing it a lot with folks online. I'm sharing it uh, serially, so I'm sharing it bit by bit and sort of dripping out the contents of, uh, contents of the article. The impetus for the article, which is kind of interesting, I was listening to another podcast a podcast that I'm really enjoying, actually, by USDA Player Development. It's with Dr. Larry Lauer, who's a friend of mine. I've taken a lot of USDA high-performance coaching courses, and I think he's a really good dude. And also his partner on the program. I don't, I don't know if you guys have caught that podcast, but it's an excellent podcast. Let me just see if Sammy wants to. You want to go to the couch? You going to pee on the couch? You better not. All right, come on. Go in there. Go and don't don't do it. Don't pee. No, to the couch. Go there. Okay. All right, guys. We'll see if my couch gets peed on like last time. Don't even do it. Don't don't do it. Let's see. I don't know if you guys can see that, but last time I let Sam on the couch, he peed there. Almost ruined the couch. All right. So I'm back talking about this podcast uh, that the USDA does. I believe it's called something champion what's it called mind of a champion or something something champion it's by dr larry lauer and is one of the usda player development coaches so it's a really good show 
Compete like a champion? Yes, compete like a champion. That's what it's called. So, guys, check it out. I, I actually recommend that podcast. I think USDA Player Development puts out a lot of good resources in general. So, check that out. But there was a recent podcast where they were talking about cheating and how to handle it. And I just thought it was, to be honest, way off and a little bit naive, to, to be honest, uh, the way they were talking about how uh, cheating in a number of respects, they were saying that you know cheating may not be as as rampant as I think it is. They were talking about different ways to handle cheating that I didn't think were realistic. And it was just sort of a, I think, I disagreed with many of the points they were making. It sort of boggled my mind. I was kind of astounded that they were making these arguments from player development. And I decided to write an article in response and just sort of give my my take on cheating point by point where I disagreed with, with uh Dr. Lauer and his uh, his partner on the show. Not that I think they're bad dudes. I just think they're a little bit out of touch on this issue. I think that I'm in the trenches and I see cheating for what it is. I see it very clearly. Also, possibly because I'm in New York, which is notorious for having the worst cheaters in the entire country. And it's a sad statement about the culture here in New York on the East Coast, but I, I believe we still hold that claim to fame, unfortunate claim to fame, or the uh, claim to infamy, infamy that we have the most cheaters, the most dirty players from our section at nationals and things like that. So anyway, I wanted to give you guys my take more from the trenches, more, I think, a more legit take on cheating. And and you guys can always listen to that podcast on Compete Like a Champion and compare my thoughts with with uh, what, they're, what they're saying in player development. But, you know, that's kind of uh, the impetus for the entire show. Kind of got my, my water boiling a little bit as I was listening to this show about cheating. I was like, no, man, no, man, that's not going to work. That's not, that's not right. That's not going to work. And then I wanted to share with you guys another... Uh, on, on another future podcast, I think I will share with you guys uh, some thoughts about uh, another podcast I was listening to about the you know the way they train in California, which I think will be quite interesting. But I'll save that for another show, guys. If we have time tonight, I would like to get to a little bit of talk about technology and the future of the game. Maybe I can finish up the show with that. I've been posting a little bit about that, and I think I have some insight there. I'd love to get your thoughts as well. We can sort of mull over the future of tennis and how technology will affect the game of tennis and coaching. I'm thinking more from a coaching and employment side, um, to be specific. I see a lot of uh, waves and people signing in, tuning into the show. Guys, we had a huge show last week on talent and talent ID, and I appreciate, I appreciate all the thoughts. I got a number of emails and comments about the show, positive comments, and I'm just really happy that people enjoyed it. And I'm glad people are sharing and participating in the program. We had hundreds of views. I have the statistics to back it up. Hundreds of views on our channels and also uh, between YouTube and Facebook. And also the podcast is growing fast. So I just wanted to say a thank you to everyone who's supporting the program. I know there's a lot of you out there who just don't don't really chime in or don't really part participate openly, but you, you enjoy the show and, and you like the interchange of ideas and, 
And I'm just glad that the show is growing and people are, are seeing some value in the program. And, and uh, also I like helping the families and children who I get questions from a lot of parents and I really enjoy helping children around the world and helping parents guide their children in a better way, I think is... Uh, sorry for that alarm going off. Sorry for that, guys. But I, I really appreciate... Uh, that that I can reach families and help children around the world with, through this medium, this technology. So thank you guys for for all the support, and I hope we can continue this podcast for for many years to come. And and I'd like to get on that tennis channel. Tennis channels promoting these podcasts now. I'd like to get on that and and promote the show, and I would like to grow and and share. So thank you for all the waves. I see a lot of activity here up on the board. Let's get into. The article that I was writing on the cheating myths, and I say they're myths because they're they're a response to the podcast from uh, USDA Player Development, Dr. Larry Lauer, because I think they're a little bit out of touch on this issue. Uh, I think they're good people uh, again, but uh, on this issue, I think they're maybe missing some key points. So I have the article in front of me and. We can just kind of go through it point by point, and maybe if you guys have any questions or if you have your own thoughts, we can get into a little debate about it. I think some points are more controversial than others, and and some points are are I think lo- locked in, rock solid, you know, uncontestable. But but we'll we'll see as we go. Okay, so the first the first myth that that I that I have a, a big, big uh, issue that I, I sort of want to put out there as a myth. I want to challenge the statement that, that cheating is not, it's not a big issue in junior tennis, that it's not very common. And I think that cheating is, if you look at the scope of junior tennis, probably a minority of kids are cheating, but the intensity that some kids cheat and the, with the, the, the pervasiveness that some kids do it, the way some kids are doing it, they're ruining the game for everybody else. So it's a small percentage, but when those kids are cheating, they're, they're, they're really intense in the way they do it. And it's really tarnishing the sport. And I, I've talked about cheating a lot on this program. And I was thinking to myself, well, should we, should we, do a whole show on cheating or should we get into the topic? And I said, well, I don't want to bore people, but also, yeah, because it's such a hot topic and people get so people, there are people on both sides of the, of the debate. And, and I, I, and then I had a parent say to me, I'm really looking forward to you discussing cheating. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's, let's get into it. I don't don't want to keep uh, kicking a dead horse as they say, but you know, I've talked a lot about different angles of cheating and, and in this case, myth number one, cheating is, most kids don't cheat, but cheating is a big problem because the small minority of kids who do it, they do it really well and they're manipulating other children. They're, they're, they're destroying the, the, the enjoyment of the game for many other kids. So that's, that's sort of what I'm getting at. I don't like, I don't know where some people are coming from where they don't have cheating. There, there may be pockets of the world where kids are better behaved 
There may be, I think there's a little bit less cheating and manipulation on clay courts, so parts of the world that play on clay, because there's more of a, there, there's sort of a check on the cheater with the ball marks, although that can, that, you know, that can be, there's workarounds for that as well. So from my perspective, from New York, the Northeast here, the cheating is it's really bad. The intensity of it is really bad. So it's not, it's, it's not pervasive in the sense that it's, ev well, it is pervasive. It's everywhere, but it's by a small minority, a very strong and vocal minority, a very powerful minority. Let's put it that way. So there's a lot of good kids and a smaller minority of bad kids. I'm going to say bad, bad apples. And that's enough to make it a big problem. I would say the fact that our sport allows any cheating is a big problem. No junior sport should allow cheating. It, it shouldn't be allowed. And this is the fundamental argument. This whole podcast shouldn't be happening. This whole show, I shouldn't have to do a show like this talking about cheating in, in, any, in any sport, but, but particularly a sport like tennis that I love. I care a lot about tennis. I want to see tennis grow. I want to see more kids participate in tournaments and to compete and, and, and enjoy this game. And we shouldn't even have this discussion where we're talking about, oh, I have a whole, I mean, I've, I've written many, many articles on cheating about how to handle cheating. I will post in the show notes a, a very comprehensive article that I wrote last year about how to handle cheating. So that's not the main focus of this show, but I'm sure we'll get into it, you know, how to handle cheating. And if you have any questions about that, it's a very common question that I get from parents. Let me know. I will post in the, uh, in the show notes uh, a, a good article guiding parents and children about what to do step by step on how to handle cheating. And so I put a lot of thought into that. But just on its face, prima, fa prima facie, we shouldn't even have this discussion. This podcast shouldn't exist. I shouldn't, have to com I shouldn't have to argue any of these points because cheating should be eliminated. It should be prohibited in junior tennis and it should be eliminated. And who can do that? It has to be the governing bodies of tennis. That's the USDA. It's kind of ironic that the impetus of the show was a USDA player development podcast and the USDA is really one of the main in my opinion, anyone who's running tournaments or sanctioning tournaments is one of the main culprits here. They, they, are, they are really negligent in not managing junior tournaments better and setting the rules in a way that, that it's impossible for children to cheat. It should be impossible. There should be no way that a child can get cheated at a junior tournament. I believe that very strongly. And I guess I'll just keep talking about it and keep promoting my view of things until more people fall in line with my way of thinking. Maybe, the, maybe there'll be a tipping point and people will say, yeah, this is just wrong. And, and it's hurting junior tennis, it's hurting kids, and we're not going to allow it anymore. It should be prohibited, it should be eliminated. All right, myth number two. So this is something that Dr. Larry Lauer was talking about. He was saying that he essentially believes all kids are good and they want to make good choices. 
that all children want to make the right call and do the right thing. And I think that's just, unfortunately, a very naive way to look at things. I think that there are a lot of good kids. There's a lot of good kids in junior tournament tennis. Most of the really good kids, I think, have decided to play high school tennis or to play outside of the competitive structure because of the rampant cheating that's going on. And the good kids that are left, they have to put up with all of the shenanigans and all of the manipulation that's going on. I think that a lot of kids, unfortunately, have temptation when they play. And not all kids are able to resist the temptation to cheat. It goes back to the rules of tennis, which allow kids to make their own line calls. They allow kids to basically referee themselves. What other junior sport allows that? I write about this a lot. What other junior sport allows little kids to supervise, basically supervise themselves, keep their own score, call their own balls and strikes, so to speak? Imagine if that happened on the baseball field. Just be a chaos, absolute chaos. We're, we let these little kids go out there they're not fully emotionally and mentally mature yet, and we, we, we give them this incredible responsibility to referee themselves and call their own lines and keep their own score. And some kids are able to rise to that challenge, but many kids succumb to the temptation of cheating, this, the temptation to, to win at all costs. And on, on another level, many kids are being taught to win at all costs, to, to cheat and manipulate their opponent to win. And that's coming from the parents. That's coming sometimes from the coaches even. And that is also something really sad about the way the rules are structured in junior tennis. So the USTA, UTR, all of the, any kind of organization, any federation that runs junior tennis tournaments or sanctioned tournaments are responsible in, in a way because they, they, the, the way the rules of tennis are, they're, they're set up to, uh, to allow this individuality, uh, the individual to, to call their own lines rather than to have uh, an adult or someone independent supervise the kids, you know. So that, that's, uh, I think that you see a fundamental flaw in the rules of tennis here. One moment, guys. I have something, something beeping and I'm going to try to get it out of here. So we have our first comment and question on the board, and it's from my good friend Vanessa Rago. I coach Vanessa's kids. She's from Las Vegas, and her kids come to my summer camp. What's up, Vanessa? Let's see what you got on the board here. Guys, so, many, so much activity, lots of waves tonight. I appreciate the shout-outs, and I really do appreciate you supporting the show. Let's see what we got here. Vanessa says... Lucas, age nine, was playing a green ball tournament last month, and he had two tough matches, one against a good 10-year-old and one against a good 11-year-old. One of those two matches had blatant cheating. All right, Vanessa, this is interesting because you have uh, two little superstars there with, uh, with your kids, and... They're, they're starting their tennis journey, starting to play a lot of tournaments. So tell me, what are you seeing? Are you seeing something that's very 
shameful and and distasteful or are you seeing uh, a tournament scene that that you think is a healthy place for your children that's that's a question that I, I like to ask parents and talk to them about let's see so we had one match there was there was blatant cheating it ruined the whole experience as Lucas is a very honest player I read your articles afterward and I still don't know how to handle it when this happens again sigh I personally can't guide Lucas to cheat when being cheated. I think it's wrong. I just keep telling him to play fair, and eventually it will pay off. Okay, so do you see the quandary that you're in, Vanessa, where you don't know what to do because you, don't, you have a good little boy there. Lucas is an awesome kid, and he's an honest kid, and he just wants... He's a, he loves to compete and play, and so he goes to sign up for, let's say, a, a USDA tournament or a UTR tournament, and there are sharks in the water there. There are sharks that, will, that are looking to take a bite out of him, and I just think it's a shame. I, I don't think any child should have to go through that experience, and we lose many, many children We lose a lot of children who, who might play competitive tennis in a, in a sanctioned way, sanctioned format, but when they have these types of experiences, they choose to play high school tennis where there are adult, adults always around. It's more well-supervised, although there is sometimes cheating in high school tennis even. And, and we lose a lot of these children. They may choose to play a different sport. I know many families, I've, I've spoken with many, many families anecdotally, who have taken their kids out of tennis to play a different sport because they thought it was ridiculous that they had to endure cheating at, at, a, at a junior event, you know, for example. So, Vanessa, do you want me to try to give you the answer here for, for Lucas? I love Lucas, you know. What are you going to say to him? You, you, you've read my article on, on how to handle cheating. That is, my, that is the advice that I give all my parents. I have them read that. It's a big article, a comprehensive article, where I go through step by step what, what are your options. So essentially, essentially what, what it comes down to is what I wrote in the article is, are you, are you willing? I mean, let, let's, let's get after it. You know, let's get after the, the meat and potatoes here. The, and this is probably the most controversial part of how to handle cheating is you got to decide if you feel comfortable or you feel it's ethical for your child to cheat that kid back. That little bastard who's cheating your kid. You got to decide on a fundamental level as a parent if it's okay to cheat that kid back and get even and get the match, make the match fair. And that's and that's where This this topic gets really, really thorny for a lot of people because we don't want a win-at-all-cost world. Most people don't want that. And most people don't want to tell their kid that the only way they're going to get fairness and, and the only way there's going to be justice is if they retaliatory, they cheat in a retaliatory way. But I can tell you that there are, that's the way most of the top players handle it, in my opinion. And that's sort of the dirty little secret on the junior tennis tour. 
junior tennis circuit. I think that most top national players, any kid that's having a lot of success, they don't put up with any of that bullshit. And they take matters into their own hands. And that's kind of a cynical view of junior tennis. And a lot of people get upset when I, if, I mention, if I talk about it this way. But I, let's just call it the way it is. That's the way most of the top kids in the country handle it. And that's not to say that everyone is cheating back a cheater. But I think that most of the top kids are. I could cite a number of, of, of sources on that. And just my own personal experience, most of the top kids that I've coached in the country are, that's how they've told me that they handle it. I haven't instructed them to do that because I, I feel torn about it myself as a, as a parent. I wouldn't want to tell my child personally, this is my personal values. I wouldn't want to tell my child that they need to cheat someone back in order to make the, in order to make the match fair because Take my son, for example. I know he wouldn't feel comfortable with that. And I know it would make him feel like he did something wrong. And we can debate whether it is right or wrong. It's a very thorny ethical debate, actually, I think. And I've had a number of these debates with many, many parents. And just we've, I've talked about it with many, many parents. And I have some parents who think there's absolutely no issue with cheating and retaliation. And I have... Uh, another uh, another group of parents who say, no way, we will never cheat no matter what. Cheating is wrong and it's unethical and we will not take that low road no matter how badly the rival is cheating my son or daughter. We, we, will, never, we will never stoop to that level. So I, I know many, I, I see both sides of it and I would say it's probably 50-50 in terms of the, the parents that I meet. More or less, you know, I, and I, always, I usually ask, I'm curious as to how parents feel about it. But I think this is really the most controversial, controversial element of how to handle a cheater. You have, and, and, I, and in, the, in the audience and the, the, for all of the listeners and viewers, I'm sure you're probably saying right now one thing or another. You're either saying, gosh, we'd never, we'd never tell our our son or daughter to do that. That's clearly wrong. Or you're thinking, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, it's totally, it's totally, it's, it's right. It's, it's justified to, to cheat someone back. You know, I, I would tell my kid to do that because it's wrong that he's being cheated in the first place. I would again reiterate that the reason, the fact that we have to have this conversation at all is just shameful. It's just shameful, and it goes back to the governing bodies of the sport, the, the, sanction, the sanctioners of, of junior tennis, where they, they've allowed this, this, uh, they've allowed this to, they've allowed children to be able to do this to other kids. They've, they've set up the rules in a way where, where kids can be manipulated and taken advantage of. I, I think it's just a dirty, rotten shame. Sad. Sad exclamation point. So how do you handle it? The first question that you have to ask yourself is morally and ethically, are you comfortable telling your child that in this specific situation, junior tennis, sanctioned tournaments, it's a setup. You tell them, you tell them it's a setup. You're being set up. 
there are kids who are allowed to cheat. You may get cheated and, and you have to decide if you're comfortable telling your child to cheat back or not. It's as simple as that. And that begins the process of developing a plan of how to handle cheating. Has to be. That has to be the first question you got to ask yourself. And I can tell you as a parent myself, my wife and I would not feel comfortable telling my son to do that. My son's a, uh, in competitive sports. My daughter's in competitive sports. I have four kids now. And I know that for our family values, we would... I don't think we would let our kid on a personal level, I don't think we would be comfortable with that for our children. But I know many students and families that I, I work with, and they are comfortable with that. And they, I, I don't tell parents how to raise their kids. I don't tell, and I, I would never presume to tell my students what is morally or ethically right in this instance, because I, I defer to their parents. Their parents are the people who are raising them. Their parents have the final say. They're the arbiter of what is right and wrong for their children, not me as the coach. I may have my personal view of it, but I think you can make a very good argument on both sides of this, this particular issue about whether it's right or wrong. To cheat someone back, to retaliatory cheat in response to someone taking advantage of you. So this is uh, really the, the most controversial and difficult question, I think, of how to handle cheating. And I wrote about it here in, in my article. I said, let me find it here. I said that one myth is that retaliatory cheating is always wrong because I think there's a big moral difference between retaliatory cheating and cheating, just outright cheating. And one, for example, I think it's different when you have someone who's just a, a, a downright dirty cheater who's going to do anything they can to, to, to win, and, and they're going to they're gonna go after your kid on the tennis court. And someone who says, someone who's been wronged and who, who says, okay, I'm going to take this next point back, or I'm going to change the score back here, and then I'm going to go up to the, to the net I'm going to catch this ball and call it out. I'm going to go up to the net and say, hey, you know what? Let's cut this out. No more cheating from you. No more bad line calls all around. And let's just have a fair match. And you're trying to work it out that way. And that happens and it works. That works for a lot of my students. They do that. Like to me, that sometimes with a, with a really inveterate, habitual cheater, that's the only thing that they're going to listen to. That's the only thing that, that's going to bring them to a place of sanity where they're going, to, they're going to stop harassing you, manipulating you, manipulating the, the match. So I know for a fact that works. I know it's, it's, it's very questionable for some families ethically. And that's an example of a child taking, uh, taking justice into their own hands. But there, there, there are a number of issues related to that where it can go wrong. You know, sometimes kids think they're being cheated when they're not being cheated and things like that. But in general, the, the idea would be, are you comfortable telling your kid, okay, take the next point, go up to the net, have a very stern discussion and say, 
say, let's end this, let's squash this, and let's have a clean match. And sometimes that, that works, and the cheater will res actually respect the, your son or daughter more that way. But again, this, it's, it's not acceptable for many families. Many parents say, no way, we were never going to cheat, it's wrong. It's wrong no matter what. And we're going to play a clean match and let the chips fall where they may. So I think, Vanessa, that's sort of the ethical quandary that you're in. And you're just going to have to ask yourself what you feel is right, what you feel right about teaching your kid, teaching Lucas and Georgina, you know, what do you feel comfortable telling them as a parent? I think that I, I want to say that I think it, it's potentially a myth. I'm not, I'm still debating this in my own mind and in my own heart. I, I think it's potentially a myth that if, if your kid does something like that, they take a call back, let's say they catch a ball, like they get cheated and then they catch the next one and call it out. And then they go have a talk, a serious talk. I think that there's, I think it's potentially a myth that that means that they're going to, that your kid's going to grow up to be a cheater in life. I don't think that's necessarily true. A lot of sports psychologists will argue that. They'll say, well, now you're teaching a kid that two wrongs make a right. You're teaching a kid that if they get cheated in, in, in life or in work, that, 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 that they should cheat in response. Basically, they're, they're going to develop a mindset of a cheater themselves. And I think there, there is some danger in that, but it's not necessarily true that in the compartmentalized world of junior tennis where it's completely, it's, it's a very um, unusual situation where children are there and there's no one to referee them. No, no one's serious to referee them. You have a roving umpire who does nothing, who's basically useless most of the time. I'll talk about that. That's one of the myths, you know, that you can call an umpire and it's going to work. It virtually never works. It never, almost never solves this, the problem when you bring an umpire. Sometimes it makes things much worse. So that, that's another myth that I was writing about. But, you know, you, 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 have, to, you have to decide... You have, you have to decide that if you teach your kid to do that, is it going to ruin them for life? Is it going to ruin their character for life? I think that's, that's, a, that's a question up for debate. It's hard, hard to always predict that. But I think it's possible to raise an ethical kid and tell them that in this particular uh, compartmentalized situation, you're going to do X, Y, and Z. This is our plan to handle a cheater. It's not... Very, you know, it's not very palatable. We don't like that we have to do this, but also we want some justice. And that's where I, I, get, I get really upset as a competitor, as a dad, as a coach. I just want justice for my players. And I think that there just seems like so, such, such an injustice to allow a situation where your kid can just have a match taken away from them, where your kid can can be manipulated, harassed, basically uh, mistreated and disrespected in such a way. And this is something you signed up for and paid for. It's, it's supposed to be an enjoyable extracurricular activity. It's supposed to be a, a sport that builds character and, and builds important values for, for children develops values, develops character, and instead your children are thrown into this chaotic, 
unsupervised uh, hell where they have to sort of navigate through these very tricky ethical questions and we just let them we let them go out there all by themselves these little kids and there's no one there to watch no one we're watching from the from behind the screen or from behind a window and we don't let any adults really help them navigate these difficult situations and to help them make the right decisions i think it's just a very very difficult situation for 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 everyone involved and again it goes back to the way the rules are set up you know that where basically like lord of the flies out there the kids are making up their own their own uh, game so vanessa i would say to you keep thinking about it and try to come to a, a place that you feel comfortable with with your husband about how you want to uh, raise your kids i would say I believe that that in in certain instances to cheat in a retaliatory way is it can be argued to be morally acceptable, uh, and I, I think that I think there's a big difference between cheating to try to even a score and then have a discussion and try to get the match on um, onto a, a positive track. Big difference between that and a kid who's just proactively cheating uh, a kid who's who's uh, manipulating every situation that they they can every, every moment in a match and um, you know that that's how I would try to differentiate that in, uh, ethically if, if you're trying if you're trying to navigate these uh, discuss these issues at home but wow what a what a tough question for a parent right like what do you tell your kid for example what if you spend a lot of money and time and your your kids really excited to go to a national tournament and you bought the hotel and you spent uh, you spent a lot to get there you you've you've sacrificed a lot to get there and your kid bumps up against a, a low down dirty cheater in the early rounds of the nationals i mean that's not right there's just such an injustice to that it could be at any level. It can be just at the beginning level, a kid just starting out who doesn't know that much, getting cheated and hooked and manipulated. And, uh, but, but particularly when you have uh, kids going to nationals and there's a lot at stake, like college recruiting, you know, a lot of college recruiters are there and the results will, will, may affect uh, entrance into college. Uh, getting onto the team that you want and things like that. The, the rankings really matter. They can they can really equate to big dollars in terms of scholarships and things like that. And you know it, it's it's so wrong that that a child could be taken advantage of like that. And I know that's why parents choose to tell their kids. You know the, the parents who are trying to do the right thing, they're trying to make the right decision for their kids. They say, well, if it gets really bad. Just just take the point back and then try to get some parity and try to try to convince the opponent to convince the opponent to to play fair. And and that, that and a lot of parents take that stand. It doesn't and then their kid doesn't have to they don't experience cheating every match, it's just the really bad instances where against the known the known cheaters. And that's a sort of a policy that they have for their family. And I don't try to judge those folks. I know a lot of people do. They say, well, that's, that's terrible. That's wrong. I, I think you have to understand 
and really feel the injustice of the situation. And that will give you a good perspective on, on, that, on the, the ethics of, uh, or the, at least the rationale behind what those parents are choosing for their family. Like I said, I think it's a huge, huge difference between a parent or a coach who actively instructs a child to proactively cheat, to undermine their opponent, to dis- disrupt their opponent through changing the score or calling the, the, the lines wrong. Very big difference morally and ethically between that type of situation and the situation that I mentioned before where a family reluctantly says to their kid, look, this, we have our values, but this is also, this particular situation is, is wrong. It's an injustice, and we need to make sure that uh, the match is played fair so that you have a chance to su- succeed in tennis. You have a chance to move on in tennis. So uh, that is uh, the most controversial part of how to handle cheating, I think, Vanessa, what, the question that you asked. And I, I don't have the answer for everyone, but I know the first, the first question you have to ask as a parent and, and with your family is, is are you comfortable with uh, retaliatory cheating or not? And from there, you can start to come up with a game plan. If you are not comfortable with telling your kid to cheat back, then you really have uh, your hands tied and you may be at the mercy of, of a cheater. That, that's really the bottom line. You may be at the mercy of a cheater. And you may have to accept that your child can't get as far uh, results-wise as uh, some of the kids who are manipulating uh, the game of tennis. And you have to be comfortable with that. And it's uh, a, a very sad uh, reality. But I, I know I, I've had some top players and their families believe that. I respected them very much. And we all just knew that there were going to be situations where a cheater could take the match away from that particular player and the player was not going to they were going to get an umpire you know often doesn't do that much and they were going to play a little safer with their ball and and do all the things that they tell you to do when someone cheats you uh, that usually don't work that well and there were going to be situations where that player would would basically not have a chance to win they wouldn't be able to beat someone who's a determined cheater there are situations like that and that's sort of one of that's another one of the myths that I discussed in my article, where I said it's it's a myth that that you can call an umpire and the umpire will help. It's a myth that uh, the cheating the the line calls don't don't matter. They don't. There a couple points here or there doesn't make a difference. That's not true. That's a huge myth. A cheater can call a set point his or her way. A cheater can call a match point his or her way. A cheater can change the score at a critical juncture. A cheater can, can do all sorts of dastardly things to manipulate a match, to, to disrupt uh, your kid. And sometimes there's nothing you, your kid, if your kid's not able to fight fire with fire, you know, an eye for an eye, as they say, if your kid's not able to, to take an eye for an eye, then they're really at the mercy of that kid, of that cheater, and you, you just have to be able to live with that. For me, as a competitor, I'm extremely competitive as a parent, and that, it just seems so wrong to me. It seems so un- unjust that my kid, let's take my son, my sweet son, Isaiah, he's working so hard. 
Uh, he's not a tennis player. He's a competitive runner. But I can imagine him, you know, taking him to nationals, and he's worked so hard to to put up his best results, and then some jerk's going to come along and just just take it away from him because because the rules of tennis allow allow the manipulation of the score and the and the line calls and things like that. I, I just think it's 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 so unjust, and I, I would never want my child to have to. I wouldn't want my child to endure that unfairness. It's just blatantly unfair. And at the same time, I have this uh, this inner tug of war going on because I, I don't want my child to think that they they should win it all. They have to do. They have to cheat to win. You know, is that the lesson we want for children in general? You know that. Okay, everyone, you know, we see this in so many other areas of our culture now, uh, cheating to win. Is it okay? You see it in politics right now. <laughs> it's a huge part of our, of our political debate right now. You know, is it okay to cheat to win? Is, is, we see it in many professional sports where players are using performance-enhancing drugs. Players are using steroids and other anabolics and performance enhancers to, to win. And... I would never want my child to to believe that 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 it's okay for them to do steroids or it's okay for them to to cheat in in other ways to to win but in this very narrow instance I I can understand why parents do it and why why coaches say to do it if they put uh, a lot of thought into it and 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 maybe put up some ethical guardrails uh, protocols in place for their son or daughter to do it in, a, in, a, in the most responsible way possible. In this narrow instance, I can see an exception um, uh, to to, um, uh, to the the general idea that we should never cheat to win. We should never that two wrongs don't make a right, et cetera, et cetera. So, very difficult question. Very very tough moral and ethical question and. Uh, Vanessa, it's some, something that I struggle with a lot for my own children. And as a coach, I, I've made the decision not, not to instruct my students to cheat back. I, I, I don't tell kids to do that now. I, I don't think it's right. I don't think it's, I, it's my place to do that. What I do is I, I speak with the parents and I say, look, this is what some families choose. And other families choose to never cheat back. They think it's, complete, it's, it's, it's totally unethical. And I say, please help me guide, um, help me guide your son or daughter, and and please give your uh, let's put a, a plan in place for your son or daughter that fits within your ethical parameters, your moral parameters, and that's how I work with my families. And I I, I can look myself in the mirror at the end of the day and say I'm, I I think that's a good policy to have with parents. So uh, on the one hand, I'm not judging the kids who are retaliatory cheating. And on the other hand, uh, I'm not encouraging a kid to do something that their family may feel is completely unethical. And so that's how I, 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 I deal with the issue. But what a, what a thorny issue, what a, an issue that all, all of the kids that we send into junior tennis have to face now. They have to make this decision. And, and I just think it's, it's a shame that we even have to talk about it. It's a shame that the sport allows this to happen. So... Anyway, let, let's discuss a few more myths and then 
and then uh, I can take a few more questions from you guys or we can have a little more conversation. So I was talking about how uh, one of the myths, I think, is that a lot of psychologists and coaches will tell you that retaliatory cheating will escalate a situation, and that, that can be true. I could tell you some funny stories uh, uh, from my junior days where, where uh, I was in this very situation, and, and usually, in, in my experience, the, if, if you retaliatory cheat, it, it, it can often de-escalate the situation. It, it's often the only way to, to get the attention and respect even of a determined cheater, to get them to stop. The bottom line is you want to get them to stop. You just want a fair match. So I can tell you that what the sports psychologists say is that, oh, if you try to cheat back or take a point back, it's going to cause a complete chaos and the match is just going to devolve into this cheat fest. And it can happen that way. It can get real nasty. But at the same time, many times, that actually works. And, and the situation doesn't escalate further. And you can actually stop a cheater. I think sometimes it's the only way you can stop a habitual cheater. So... Yeah, that, that is uh, another, uh, another myth on the, along the same topic line. Let's see, what else do we got here? We talked about how a few points here or there can actually make a really big difference. So I don't buy the myth that just uh, cheating is just a few points. A lot of sports psychologists like to say that. They say, well, you lost not because of the cheating, you lost because of your response to the cheating. You let it get to you. And you could have won the match, but if you had handled it well, you know, if you had been, had a little more emotional control, if you weren't so uh, affected by the cheater. And that is why the, that is why that, the cheater is doing it. These, these tr- he or she is trying to get under your player's skin. They're trying, they're trying to make your player crazy. And it, it, it's, a, it's a very good way to do that. You know, it's, it's, it's illegal, but, but it's a very good way to dis- disrupt someone. So it's, the psychologists are right that you need to try to maintain your composure, you, your player, you know, so to speak. But at the same, uh, you know, but by the same token... You know, by the same token, you, you need to maintain your composure, but at the same time, I lost my train of thought on that issue, but yeah. So let's see on the, uh, the next myth we have. We have parents and observers shouldn't get involved with a cheating argument because if they intervene, then the children won't learn to problem solve and won't develop important character traits. Okay, so... One of the psychologists I was listening to on a recent podcast was talking about this. And I think that this is an example where coaching and parenting is really important for, for handling cheating. Uh, if we have the parents able to be involved, if we have coaches able to be involved, it'll, it'll, number one, it will discourage cheating and it'll help kids handle these tough situations. So the kids are oftentimes out there and they're all alone, and they have no one to guide them, and 
and they need support. They need support from the adults around them. So we, uh, I think it's, it's very unhealthy for kids to try to work these things out on their own. And I don't think we should, we should put them out there and, and let them deal with these very difficult uh, ethical questions, very, very, uh, these very big conflicts on the court without some adult supervision and adult help. Another myth that I wrote about is that cheating is part of the game and kids need to learn how to handle it. And that learning to deal with cheating builds character and therefore cheating in junior tennis can be seen as a positive rite of passage. So those are very common arguments you hear from folks who say, yeah, well, this is just, this is the way the game's always been. This is the game of tennis. It makes, you know, makes you stronger. It makes your child stronger. And I think that is a, a big, big myth. We don't have to keep tennis this way forever. We can work to lobby the USDA, to lobby the governing bodies to change the rules of the game uh, in sanctioned tournament play. We, we don't have to accept that uh, kids need to go through this rite of passage to, in order to become better tennis players. My son certainly doesn't need to experience cheating in order to build his character. Uh, and I think that you, you see kids building and developing character in many other sports that don't allow cheating, where cheating is prohibited and, and rare, it happens rarely, if, if, if ever. So those are my thoughts on that subject. I think we don't have to accept tennis to, that tennis is, uh, has to be this way and, and that uh, cheating, it is part of the game, but we can change the way tennis is uh, administered and the way it's, it's sanctioned, the way, the way the rules are set. We don't have to accept that this will be, that tennis will be like this um, forever. Let's see, what else we got here? Myth number, I'm on to a number 11, 12, and 13 here. We talked about, yeah, learning to deal with cheating builds character. Well, it definitely builds character, but, but there are other ways that we can build character in kids. Kind of a, uh, that's an argument a lot, a lot of people like to say, well, it's building character, but yeah, but there are other ways that we can build character in our kids, right? And number 12 is if a kid is getting cheated, he can just call an umpire over to help and this will solve the problem. So I talked about that earlier in the show. I think that's a huge myth in junior tennis. A lot of parents say, well, that'll be part of our plan. We'll call the umpire over and the umpire will help. Typically, the umpire doesn't help. The umpires are really uh, not well trained, especially uh, at the USDA junior level. A lot of them don't see well. I mean, literally don't see well. I've had many situations where I've seen umpires who are making worse calls than, than, than the kids were making. They, they, and sometimes they don't know the rules the way they should or they, they overrule situations where they shouldn't. Or, and typically what happens is the umpire is roving, so the umpire will come to your kid's court, watch a, a few points or a few games, and then you know, move along to another court. So when you have a determined cheater, the cheater knows how to work around the umpire's arrival and the umpire's presence. The cheater can can cheat when when the umpire's back is turned. The the cheater can can cheat on calls that are far away from the umpire that they don't feel comfortable overruling. Uh, the cheater can get into all sorts of manipulation of the score and then sort of argue it out with the umpire. The whole thing just becomes a mess when the umpire comes out and 
especially with score disputes, and they ha you have to go back to the, the last score agreed upon. Just what, what a terrible rule that is in and of itself. The, the score, the, 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 way, the way the rules are written where kids have to go back to the original uh, score that they agree upon is a, is a disaster. You know? And that, the, the fact that kids are allowed to call their own, uh, to keep their own score, I think is a huge mistake in junior tennis. That, that should be changed within the rules, and, and also kids shouldn't be able to call their own lines, obviously. But I think children, um, should, there should be a computer calling the score. It should be monitored, or, or it should be, uh, a, there should be an adult also uh, keeping score. And, and why, why couldn't we just go to the adults keeping score when there's a dispute so we don't have to have uh, a situation where a cheater can be losing and then change the score and, and, and the umpire comes out and you have to go back to the original uh, to the to the score that you both the both players agree upon, which may not may be completely unfair to your kid who was winning. You know what what a just an unjust, very very unjust, and unfair situation that is. So I think if we were going to change two rules, it would be okay. Kids no longer call their own lines, and kids no longer keep their own score, and that would go so so far in making the game more just for the children and to make it a much more healthier and happier experience for the children. You know. All right, so my 13th and final myth from my new article, it is that cheating stops when kids reach higher level tournaments or college and pro tennis. Okay, that is a huge myth. So you say to yourself, all right, well, this is just junior tennis as bizarre and, and unacceptable as it is that we have, we allow junior uh, we allow cheating in junior tennis. Well, my kid's going to get older and it's going to stop, right? You'll never ha won't have to deal with this in in high school, in college, on the pro circuit. Well, I'm here to tell you that there's a lot of cheating that goes on at those levels. High school tennis, it can be a little more difficult to cheat because the coaches are all on court. They're around. There's a lot of people watching, a lot of adults around. College tennis is... There's a lot of really bad cheating in college tennis. Even though there are a lot of coaches and, and adults around, it seems that there is a lot of pervasive cheating at the college level. I remember I went to a USDA high-performance workshop, and the USC coach was there. What's that dude's name? My mind's a little spotty tonight. Uh, his name slips my mind. Uh, the the very well-known uh, USC coach. And so what... What he said was that he's experienced in many big matches. I think he was talking about his number one, uh, Peter Smith. It was Peter Smith. He, I think I got that right. And he, he was talking about, he came in and talked with uh, the coaches at the U.S. Open one year. I was doing a, player, a USDA player development workshop. And he was talking about how his, his number one player, they were playing a big match. And it was it was a real tight match, and he saw clearly that his number one player was calling a, a bunch of shots real close. He he implied that they were they the balls were out, and the player had called uh, the, the the balls were in, and the player had called them out. And I think the other kid was a real maybe a, a real cheat as well. So so he felt his player was justified, and he basically said that he let he let the player do that 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 was perfect that was acceptable for him because he felt that the player was being mistreated. And so there's an example from the, one of the best college coaches in the country 
and he was basically saying, you know, that that he saw cheating. It was retaliatory cheating, and and he didn't say nothing about it. He let the he let the call stand, and and he was. Uh, I think the way he put it was that he was either he was he was he didn't know whether to to hug the player or whether to punish him. But in the end, he let the call stand. He didn't say anything about it. He didn't uh, go to change uh, the, the ruling of the call. So there's an example from the college world. I can tell you that on the USDA Pro Circuit, which I've played on, there is a lot of cheating, uh, especially in the qualifying and in, um, in matches that don't have an umpire. Fortunately, when you get to main draws, at the at the low level pro 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 uh, on the low level pro circuit there there there's usually some umpires and uh, there's umpiring that sometimes there are are, are line judges and and the, that that can really help that that's that in, in, in as a matter of fact will solve uh, the the cheating issue at, at um, on any level if you have an umpire and lines people now there's still maybe bad calls but at least the scoring manipulation and the line calling manipulation is taken out of the players uh, is taken uh, that option is taken away from players who are willing to do that so that is also another solution is to have line judges and umpires always available for for every junior match for for the especially for big tournaments that would be a, a very good solution uh, to to eliminate cheating once and for all so guys that's the article that's the talk about cheating um, Thanks for the question, Vanessa. And uh, guys, I'm seeing a lot of uh, waves here and uh, a bunch of old friends. And I see some new names uh, uh, on the on the board. I appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. I wanted to wrap up the show with a little talk about technology and the future of the game. So a little more positive discussion, potentially also cynical discussion about the future of of technology, but briefly, I I, I wrote a, a short post online about how I think that for uh, for, for one thing we will see uh, technology and AI, artificial intelligence, will will eventually transform the way we coach children, and and the way we train, and I don't know if it'll happen in the next ten or twenty years, but I, I'm thinking more in the next century. You know, potentially outside of our lifetime, but I'm I'm fairly confident. I like to predict uh, the future. It's fun. It's fun to do future thought and sort of look in the crystal ball and try to creatively think about what what's going to happen. At least for me. So anyway, what I think is going to happen is there will be uh, there will be smart courts everywhere, and there'll be mobile devices, some sort of mobile solutions where we can uh, film. A player. Let's take technique for example. We can film a player's technique and then run it through a database that is AI powered, uh, that's powered by artificial intelligence, a computer system uh, that uses artificial intelligence to come up with uh, with error detection and then uh, a correction solutions. And and I think it'll become a very powerful tool for coaching. It may take a while for us uh, to develop this technology. Uh, to where it's 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 um, reliable and also inexpensive, but I think it, it's it's without a doubt coming. For example, I'm in the the medical field because I'm an EMT, and I see 
for example, a new uh, a new stethoscope being marketed that it's been created a digital stethoscope that's connected to the same AI and uh, sort of a a database of information of of, of big of big data, so to speak, uh, a, a repository where where for example, all of the, the heart sounds and lung sounds are, are in this database, and the AI computer system can search, uh, can search and, uh, for different patterns of lung sounds and, and heart, heart sounds and, and can give recommendations and, and can, and can de- detect uh, potential ab- abnormalities and things like that. So incredibly powerful technology uh, that's uh, being marketed now in the... The medical community. So, as an EMT, I'm very interested in that, and I don't see why we couldn't do the same thing for tennis. You know, we, we'd have a, a video analysis of a player's technique, and we run it through an AI engine uh, connected to a database of error detection and corrections, and the computer system would tell us what are the main technical flaws, what what are the the common mistakes here, and what are the best ways to correct. And I just think that that's an interesting view into the future. I, I took the analogy from the medical field, and I think the same type of technology and approach will help coaches, not just in tennis, but in, in many sports, most likely. Uh, and I think another thing that will, that along these lines, will be uh, smart courts. I, I, I predict that in the future you will see most most of tennis will be played on a smart court, whether it's an AccuTennis type system or a PlaySight system. Those are the two operators in the field now, AccuTennis and PlaySight. Very interesting technologies where they use camera systems to analyze the play on a court, and you can you have an on on court computer, and you can do all sorts of different types of analyses using the camera system. I think most courts in the future. Again, maybe not in the next 10 to 20 years, but maybe looking into the next century, will be smart enabled, and it will be sort of a quaint, a quaint idea to play on a court that's that doesn't have these cameras and computer systems attached. The other thing, how, uh, the way those computers, uh, that, that that technology and the computer and camera system are, are, are going to help tennis is it, they will eventually eliminate cheating in junior tennis. I've written about that a lot. Uh, getting back to the original topic of the show, there there will there will be uh, eventually an end to cheating when all of the courts are smart courts, and there's a camera system and there's uh, a computer system to keep the correct score. We will ha- we won't have any of these discussions, and I won't ever have to do a podcast like this again, because the computer the computers will be able to keep the correct score, and if there is a, a dispute over a line call. You can go to the the camera review and have the line call um, arbitrated by by the computer, and I think that in the end will be the greatest solution of all. And then we can actually have a very clean uh, clean sport at the junior level. I mean, we basically have a very dirty sport at the junior level right now. It's it's sad and shameful. And eventually, the technology will will help with that. The technology will eliminate. This dirty, these dirty deeds in junior tennis. So, guys, that's sort of a glimpse into the future. Uh, the 
it's good to finish the show in a, in a positive way, I think, when you realize that eventually, even, even if the USDA, the UTR, and the governing bodies that sanction tournaments, if they're not able to get their act together and adjust the rules of junior tournament tennis, eventually there will be some solace here. There will be some comfort. We won't have to enter these very thorny uh, ethical, uh, thorny and uh, face these ethical questions um, anymore because technology will, will, will solve this problem. We will have a camera systems, we will have computer systems, and most courts will be smart enabled, and all the tournaments will, will have these, these smart systems helping to arbitrate and helping to keep the play fair. And that is the bottom line. We just want a fair game. We just want justice for, for, for the children. And we want kids to have fun and to have a healthy experience in junior tennis, and especially when they play tournaments. And we'd like to get more kids playing tournaments. We are losing a lot of kids uh, from, who don't want to play tournament tennis. They are willing to play tennis. They like tennis. The participation numbers of tennis are much, much higher than the participation numbers in tournament tennis. And I believe a, a big part of that is the fact that the junior tennis tournament scene is, is a very dirty scene. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. Um, so, in the end, we'd like to grow the game. We'd like to, to, we'd like to give kids a wonderful experience when they play tournament tennis. And right now, unfortunately, the experience sucks for many families and children. All right, guys, it was a really good show. I appreciate everyone's waves. I appreciate the comments. If you have any questions that you think of after the show, please throw it up there in the, in the, uh, in the comments area of the, of the post, of the video post. I'll post this as soon as it as uh, the live feed finishes, you can post your comments and I will, um, I will check them out and answer. I try to answer all the comments myself. And also look for the show to go up on YouTube soon and we'll get the podcast up for you guys who are podcast addicts. We'll get the podcast up as soon as we can. But I, again, I appreciate all the, the support. I appreciate everyone's... Uh, I got a lot of emails. As I, as I said this week, I'm very, very grateful that so many people are enjoying the program. And I, and I just wanted to thank you guys for, for participating, for sharing, for your likes and thumbs up, and for your waves. Thank you all for supporting the show, and I'll see you next time. God bless. We hope you enjoyed the program. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and recommend the show to your friends. We greatly appreciate your likes and shares. Thank you for your support of the show and for helping us grow our audience. If you would like to train with Chris, please visit chrislewitt.com for more info. You can also join Chris's online school, clta.teachable.com, and follow his blog at prodigymaker.com. A reminder that all show archives can be found at youtube.com forward slash chrislewitt, and the show can be watched live on Facebook. Just search Chris Lewitt on Facebook to join the show. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Vamos!